I am in consideration of our lives, of our homes, and of this house. I'll say that again, just in case you missed it. I am in consideration of our lives, of our homes, and of this house. And I'm praying that the Lord will grant us both wisdom and his divine anointing in the next few moments. And before we journey too far into the word, I've asked Brother Norcell to come and pray over this congregation so that we can receive the word, not only with all readiness of mind, but with an open spirit and that the, the glory of God would enter this house. We need the Lord today. Amen. Let's all lift our hands to the Lord and open our hearts. One thing that I'm going to ask is just we have an expectation, that you have an expectation, something that you want from the Lord throughout the word that that he's going to give us today. Let's all pray. Blessed Father, we want to praise you. We want to thank you. And we want to lift you on high. The Bible says you have been lifted far above all the heavens, far above all principalities and powers and thrones and dominions. The Bible says, O Lord, no one comes to you except the Father brought him. we all in your presence, Lord. Jacob said, I did not know that this was the house of God and this is the gates of heaven. But here we are today, Lord, aware that we are in your presence. Aware that we are before the King of kings and the Lord of lords. Aware that we have come to the mountain of the living God, the city of the living God, to Mount Zion. Aware that we have come to the one who called things to existence, which be not as though they were. Father, we come before you in the glorious and mighty name of Jesus Christ. That you would have your ways in our lives. That you will give us the foods that we need, O God, for our spirit. For man shall not live by bread alone, but by every word that proceeds from the mouth of the Father. In the name that's above every other name, let the heavens be open over your church. And let the angels and your spirit, Father, fill your temple. In the name of Jesus, oh God. Just like he was at Bethel, Father, we pray that it is, oh God, with us this morning in the name of Jesus Christ. Somebody lift your voice and praise the Lord for all that he has done, for all that he's doing and all that he's going to do this morning. Father, we pray that you have your way in this place. Father, we pray that the spirit of life 
pray that your will be done in the glorious, mighty name of Jesus Christ. Somebody lift your voice and clap your hand for the Lord. Joshua chapter 2, a few verses, we'll read from a couple of versions for clarity. I'm leaping into the middle of the narrative, I'll offer the explanation. She said unto the men, I know that the Lord hath given you the land, that your terror has fallen on us, all the inhabitants of the land faint because of you. For we have heard how the Lord dried up the water of the Red Sea for you when you came out of Egypt, what you did to the two kings of the Amorites on the other side, you utterly destroyed them. As soon as we heard, our hearts melted. Neither did there remain any more courage in any man because of you. For the Lord your God, he is God in heaven above and in the earth beneath. Therefore, I pray, swear to me, Give me an oath, since I have showed you kindness, that you will also show me kindness unto my father's house. Give me a true token that you will save alive my father, my mother, my brother, my sisters, and all that they have, and deliver our lives from death. Verse 17 from the NIV. The men said to her, This oath you made a swear will not be binding on us unless... When we enter the land, you have tied the scarlet cord, there's the token, in the window through which you let us down. And unless you have brought your father and mother, your brothers, all your family into your house, a token. Now, Lord, you heard the prayer, and we believe in your word. So do your divine will as you so choose in this place. Let this household of faith rise up, Lord Jesus. I pray you'd speak to your people, Lord. I thank you for that. Would you just place your Bibles down behind you and with your hearts in your hands, in your mouth, in your voice, your, your whole spirit, would you cry out to God? Come on, somebody cry out to God with your voice. I need you. I want you to make a loud noise with your voice now. 
speak his name in this place. Shout Hosanna to the Lord. Hallelujah. Jesus. Amen. I thank you for standing. You may be seated. To all those that are joining us online and traveling, and many are traveling now for various reasons, I pray that you'd put down all distractions and give careful attention. For the sake of the scripture, it only seems proper to allow the context to be known. Joshua is the leader of the nation. His servant mentality has given him access to Moses through the duration of his life, the door of leadership is created by serving. It's opened by serving. Authority is made possible by servanthood. There has been a transition ordained by God from one leader to the next. That is how the Lord operates and deals with his men. Now that Moses has passed away, Joshua is given the task of fulfilling the greater promise of the Lord to bring them into the land that they had only viewed from afar. It wasn't in God's plan that the children of Israel wander in the wilderness for 40 years. Manna from heaven was a provision because they had disobeyed God at the beginning. (laughs) The majority of people rejected the Lord's gift and it cost them as they walked in circles for decades When in reality, it was only about an 11-day journey from the Red Sea to the land of Canaan. But the majority gave a negative report, and it drowned out the faith of a few. Jesus will face the same, and the Bible says he could only heal a few sick folk. Though his desire was to heal everyone, it was unfulfilled in his own city because the majority doubted. And if the majority is negative and faithless and resistant, then what could be is also limited. Because God has allowed us to limit his blessings, his power, and his healing by whatever lack of virtue, honor, faith, and worship we give him. (laughs) He has more than what you have ever seen. He can do far more than what you have ever witnessed or heard of. God is limitless. But we limit him because of our doubt and sometimes our pride and our self-preservation because we don't know what other people will think of us if we do what we feel like we ought to do. And so because of that, we are preserving our image, but we're missing something that God would like to give us and do through us. I feel like I've been walking in the spirit. I feel like I'm moved on by the hand of God even right now in this house. 
Moses led them out, but now Joshua will lead them in. And just so you know, the newer was not better than the former, though Joshua was indeed a man of faith. Nothing compared to the Red Sea or the face-to-face encounters that Moses had with God. Yet in the goodness of the Lord, God allowed Joshua to have his own crossing. The flooding Jordan River was pushed back and the surviving people walked across. The impossible was made possible and it showcased the goodness of God. And when the impossible is made possible, we know how good God is. However, when it comes to the impossible, we don't always think that he's good. (laughs) We're wondering where he's at. But you will not know him until he leads you to a place where you cannot cross over without him. You really don't know about God until he puts you into a place where you can't move forward or backward or side to side. And all you have is your faith in the Lord. But when he puts you in that impossible place, he puts you there so that you have no options but to call on him. That's what he wants out of you. He wants you to call on him even today, even now. Joshua, he led them when they came across the Jordan and then found themselves faced to that that city, this well-fortified city called Jericho. This city would be Israel's first and its greatest battle. The walls were so very high, so very thick. The enemy of Jericho mocked the children of Israel. They stood atop those massive walls that could house chariots. They scoffed at Israel's advancement. However, we find out that inside the city there was fear, perhaps coupled with anger and alarm, all of it thrown into a cauldron of rage, not knowing what to do. They are scurrying about inside. They are speaking of the people of God. They are whispering in the corners and in the shadows about what God has done. That he is the Lord. Joshua, he's on the outside. He feels like he needs the lay of the city. He wanted to make sure that the pivotal points were known to his men. Those high walls and barricaded gates were too great to see through or over. So he sent two spies to make what would be a diagram or a layout of the city. And those spies will find their way into that place, but they were seen. People knew they were there. They were sought for. It just so happened that they came upon a woman who took them in and showed kindness to them. She was a harlot, a prostitute. Her profession was disdained even in that era. But in her boldness, She revealed the tenor of the town. She said, we are all afraid. We know that the land is yours. Fear has fallen on us. In fact, we are melting with fear because of you and also because of the parting of the Red Sea. She said, our courage has failed. All of us know this. We know that your God is the real God. 
All we have are these walls of stone. They look like they're mighty. They look like they're impenetrable. But we're all full of fear. And at that, she hid them so that they would not die. She kept them. People were looking for them. The king of the area, the, the, the chief, the top authority of the city wanted to kill those two spies. But she covered for them. She hid them. She protected them. Those two spies were sent by Joshua, but they were protected by a woman of ill repute. It was an unlikely moment of all the people to believe and to take action. Who would have thought that someone with that type of reputation would come to believe and to take action on behalf of the people of God? Of all the people that would believe, that would accept it, that would reach out for it, and that she would risk her own life We don't think that way. I wish it weren't so, but the so-called good people are rarely the ones who ever receive the message. The people who we think they'll be perfect for the church. They'll be perfect. They'll be a good saint. They're hard workers. They're doing good things. They're not always the people that come. In fact, if you read the New Testament, you'll find out that a lot of good people were invited to the banquet table, but they had a lot of excuses because a lot of people with a lot of things to do, they may not have time for God. And intellectualism is not going to save us. And education is not going to save us. And ambition and money is not going to save us. Somebody is coming here. They're coming to this house, but they may not be who you think they they are. or You not think who they should be or who they would be, but they're coming. Let me just tell you, for the preaching of the cross is to them that perish foolishness, but unto us which are saved. That is the power of God. It's written. This is what the Bible says. I will destroy the wisdom of the wise. I'll bring it to nothing. Where is the wise? Where is the scribe? For after that, in the wisdom of God, the wisdom of the world, they did not know God it pleased God by the foolishness of preaching to save them that believe the Jews required a sign and the Greeks seek after wisdom but we preach Christ crucified he's a stumbling block to the Jews and he's foolishness to the wise men but unto them that are called the Jews and the Greeks Christ the power of God and the wisdom of God Because the foolishness of God, hear it again, the foolishness of God is wiser than all the men. And the weakness of God is stronger than all the men. You do not know who's coming in this house. You do not know where they're coming from. You're going to look at them and say, I didn't think you could make it here. But little do you know that the believer's coming in. The unlikely is coming in. And in the last day, I stand here to proclaim that the world knows where we are. They understand what's happening here. They do know that there is a God in this house. They do know that there is a Savior in this place. And they are afraid. It don't matter how high that wall is. It don't matter how strong they look. I I say today, he is the God. He is the God of all the world. There is a fight on your hands. There is a war on your hands. There is a war against the church and to the doctrine and to the blood of Jesus Christ. Why? Because the world knows. The enemy knows. That's right. I'll offer a few foundational thoughts here. 
Genesis 17. God spoke to Abraham. This is in the realm of the Lord. He instituted circumcision, which the Lord called, and I quote, a token of the covenant. It was a token of the covenant. God was not going to allow that token to be mishandled or discarded. In fact, even the wife of Moses understood it so much. She said to Moses, you brought us all this way, but you didn't even circumcise your own sons. I'm not going any further with you until you do in our home what you did in your home. It wasn't just that. Moses had a little issue because when they got over, the Bible says that Joshua had to circumcise all the men who came over to the promised land because they had not been circumcised in the wilderness. I don't, I, it, you, you can call the token insignificant, whatever, but it was a sign of the covenant. You don't get rid of the token. You don't get rid of the image because God instituted the image. What's a shame? The only thing worse than not living what you preach is not preaching what you believe. I don't want to talk about it. I don't want to say anything. It might hurt them, might offend them. Do not put your light under a, a, a basket or a bushel. If you're living this way, tell someone why you're living this way. If you believe this, then tell somebody that you believe this. Listen, the truth covered up can save nobody. And if you think, well, they're just going to they're gonna feel it. It's not learned by osmosis. No, no. On three occasions, God told Noah that the rainbow in the sky would be, and I quote again, a token of the covenant, Genesis 9. Three occasions, he said, listen, this rainbow, that's a token of the covenant. And when the Jews were preparing to leave Egypt after nine plagues, God gave them the answer to the final plague, commanding blood, concerning blood. Exodus twelve thirteen, and the blood shall be to you for a token upon the houses where ye are. A token is a visible or tangible representation of a fact. In a, in a more medieval or archaic defined fashion, it holds the distinctiveness of something greater than itself. It serves notice as a demonstration of something more profound of significance. It, it is not the original. It's not the actual, but, but it's the mark, the evidence that something more powerful and wonderful, real and true exists. The token leaves no doubt that a weightier reality is there. It's like the flag of the United States hovering atop an embassy in some far distant country. It is not the United States, but it is the emblem. It is the significance of something greater. It embodies all of us. It's a symbol of a king, like an imprint on a stamp or a letter or decree. I, I don't know why they chose such a token. Maybe it was something in the stories of how they escaped the judgment of the 10th plague but those two spies when she said 
give me something. Give me a token. I need something that I, that I can put in my hand to know that we are not going to die. We know that your God is great, and we know that you are coming. We believe what God has done for you, how he dried up the waters of the Red Sea. It was not some random color. They could have picked any color. It could have been some, some other thing, but they know it had to be red. It had to be crimson. Somewhere ingrained in their minds, I do believe that those two men were sent to spy out the land they knew somewhere in their past, somewhere in the stories of their past. It was the last moment they could remember of their fathers and their grandfathers. They killed a lamb and they wiped the blood of that lamb on the doorpost with the hyssop blood. And when the angel came, the angel saw the blood on the outside of that home and he passed over that home. No death could come there. No harm could come there. No no danger could come there. Those men had no authority. They could not make a deal like that. They did not have the authority of Joshua or the elders. They were simply spies. But something down deep inside of them knew. It was ingrained in them. You just get everybody inside. You get your mama. You get your daddy. You get your brother. You get your cousins. You get all your aunts. You get all your sisters. You get all your friends. And you get them under the color of the crimson cord. Because nothing can ever get past the token of the crimson cord. The armies won't go there. They won't burn it down. If your house is built on the side of that great wall, like many of them were, all the walls are coming down. They're going to crumble into dust. But your house is going to stand. (laughs) There won't be a spear or an arrow or a burning fire that will grace your door. Because here's a token. I don't know how it's going to happen. But it's going to protect you. It's going to help you. All you've got to do is hang that token outside of your window. Let that red flow down. Something about us, I don't know. We came from somewhere. It's been a long time, and most of us were born in the wilderness, but it's grained in on DNA because our daddies got out, our mamas got out because there was a curse coming, a judgment coming, but this was, the, this was the plan of God. You take a lamb, and you put that blood on the doorpost, so somewhere in our heritage, there's blood in our heritage, and nothing's going to get past The crimson cord. Now, saints, I believe in offense. In fact, I believe that the best defense is a good offense. We ought to boldly march. Here's Matthew 11. Jesus said, and from the days of John the Baptist until now, the kingdom of heaven suffereth violence, and the violent taketh by force. Here's what it says. Now the kingdom of heaven has been forcefully advancing, and forceful men lay hold on it. We are to advance at every juncture. Even the armor of God listed in detailed form to the saints of Ephesus speaks of advancing. Breastplates, shin guards, helmets, a sword, all of it was for advancing. There's no protection for anyone who retreats. 
At the same time, I present to you a token. It is not some random item. And this is not some Christmas decoration. This is my house. This is our house. Because there are times, it may not look like much, but there's times I want to show the enemy, no, you're not coming in here. You're not going to, you're not going to wage war here. Some time ago, I walked out the front door and that was lying right next to the post. Tammy had put it there. Of course, I knew exactly what it was. Now, had it been December the 1st, I'd have been confused. But it's May. It was April. I wasn't confused, so I picked it up. And in my early morning prayer time, I tied it to the post. And I said, I don't know what's going on in the spirit world. And there are moments when we need to walk by faith and we must do whatever we can regardless of how it looks. But I present you a token today because I'm concerned about you, your house, and this house. This scarlet cord is not a seasonal thing. It doesn't go up and go down just because there's some American holiday. This is something far greater than that. It's about waging war and protection of our homes and our lives and our church. And I want you to know there's too much on the line for you not to be covered by the blood. There's too much on the line for you not to protect your lives, your families, your home, and the church. Wait. I know what this is. I know the pragmatic thought. I'll get to it in a moment. But your Bible is replete with this. Uh, As I prayed, the Lord showed me uh, a scarecrow. It was a pleasant image. Um, it, 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 It boggled my mind, the analytical thought. And that to ward off something. To, to keep at bay something that would eat up the crops. It would, it would disturb any advancing fowl. Here's your Bible. When Paul could not get to the people, they sent pieces of his clothes for the healing of the people. I, I don't know how that happens. And I know what it sounds like. I know it sounds mystic, mystical or far-fetched. But I believe that every word of God is true. Here's your Bible. And God brought special miracles. Somebody say special miracles. Say special miracles by the hands of Paul. How? He wasn't there. So that from his body were brought unto the sick handkerchiefs or aprons. And the diseases departed from them. And the evil spirits went out from them. Where is the logic in that? Can you qualify that? 
Can you put that down? Is that in a doctor's report? Is that a function of the modern church? Does the modern church think about that? Or we are so, or have we become so analytical that we just rule out all that stuff? Are we into cultural relativism and we think these things just happen in the Bible? I want to tell you, oh no, a thousand times. No, they can happen and should happen today. But the Lord <laughs> used the token. He can use the token. The token is not the actual, but the token. The token represents the reality of something greater. Oh, yes. Jesus saw blind men. He goes up to the blind men. He could have done many things. I, 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 I can give you the reasons why I think he did it. I'm not exactly sure. The Bible is not explicit in its description. But the Lord looked at the blind man and the Lord spat on the ground and spittle. He mixed the, the dirt into mud, two little balls of mud, and then he put it on the blind man's eyes. Why would he do that? It seems, in, it seems uh, uh, it, 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 at best, it, it's, just, it's unnecessary. But he put it on the blind man's eyes and he said, go wash. And, and the blind man came back seen and we think that's odd that's strange it's 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 bizarre he one time he put his fingers in the in the ears of a deaf person and then he pulled his fingers out and the deaf person could hear the prophet told naaman go dip in the dirty jordan river seven times why would you do that it is so odd why would you go dip down why didn't the prophet just say you're healed but no there's something about that and there are a host of other things unusual means by which the lord moved so for anyone who wishes to decry the means by which the lord protects us and heals us and delivers us and restores us that's an issue you have to take up for with him but as for me i'm not letting anything into my house So I just walked through the doors of the church. Put your blood here, Lord. And put your blood here, Lord. And put your blood there, Lord. And cover your blood there, Lord. And put your blood on the outside, Lord. And anyone who drives this parking lot, put your blood here. I pray right now, let there be no drug deals take place in the parking lot when we're gone. I'll put your blood there. Let there be a host of angelic beings, angels that protect the land. There's not one drug deal come. I pray against all of that. I pray anyone who decide they're going to come and party at 2 o'clock at nighttime where we're all asleep, I pray they get, they get deathly sick and throw up everywhere. I pray every wicked and foul spirit that would make its way into this house, every perverse thing. I plead the blood right now to keep those spirits out. We want the people but not the spirits. James said it this way. Resist the devil and he will flee from you. So I'm going to resist the devil. Isaiah said, no weapon formed against thee shall prosper. And every tongue that shall 
rise against thee in judgment shalt thou condemn. This is the heritage of the servants of the Lord and their righteousness is of me, saith the Lord. John wrote, ye are of God, little children, and have overcome them because greater is he that is in you than he that's in the world. We got a power greater than the world. You got a power greater than the government. You got a Holy Ghost power greater than all the things that conflict you and want to harm you. There's a power. I'll plead the blood over you. I cover your life with the blood. I cover your home with the blood. I cover your health with the blood. Here's what Jesus said. Jesus said, behold, I give unto you power to tread on serpents and scorpions and over all the power of the enemy and nothing, nothing, nothing shall by any means hurt you. I wish there would be a mama or a daddy or somebody that would just rise up and say, not in this house, you're not getting in. You're not getting in this house. You're not getting in this house. want to preach about this. I want to do this. I don't want to talk about this. I want to do this today. I don't want to just have this one-sided communication with you, lecture. You know, I'm, I'm up here. You're there. And then you walk on. Let's just do this together. We got to do this together. We got to do this together. You get, you, you go to your home today. And when you walk in the front door, you just say, in the name of Jesus, I plead the blood over this home. And then you turn around and you look to the outside and you, you say to whatever spirit world that's out there, you say, not here. And then you get everybody you can. Get your mama, get your daddy, get your friends, get your neighbors. I do not know how it's going to happen. But if you can get under that blood, if you can get under that token. Just keep standing here. 2 Corinthians chapter 10, verse 3. For though we live in the world, ladies and gentlemen, you live in the world. This is the reality that we live in. You cannot curl up in a fetal position and hide out. This is the world we live in. When I walked into the large stadium for the graduation, I turned to a couple of our young men that were with me and I said, I feel all kinds of spirits as I'm walking through this. And I said, it's been a long time since I've been in in this kind of atmosphere. And they said, well, pastor, this is what we go through every day. You live in the world. And do not think that the spirit of the world is going to entreat you, going to comfort you, going to love you. 
They wanted us to tolerate their immoral, perverse lifestyle. They don't want us to tolerate it. They want us to celebrate it. And if you don't celebrate it, they get more angry and they demand that you conform to it. We don't wage war like the world does with bombs and guns and knives and spears and arrows. Because the weapons we fight with are not the weapons of the world here in the King James. For the weapons of our warfare are not carnal, but they're mighty through God to the pulling down of a stronghold. Enough. Say, enough. No, you didn't say it. You said it with your mouth. You said it with your brain. You said it because I provoked you. But you didn't say it with your spirit. That's enough. That's enough. No, that's enough. Not here, not in this house, not in this place, not in my life, not with my children, not with my husband, not with my wife, not with my dad, not with my... That's enough. That's enough. Enough. I got something you don't have. And the world knows it. And the enemy knows it. And the devil knows it. And the spirit of the age knows it. That's enough. That's enough. I'm tired of all this depression. I'm done with all that anxiety. That's enough of all that sickness. That's enough of all that. That's enough of all of that. It's enough. Come on out of your mouth. Out of your mouth. Out of your mouth. That's enough. Come on, say it. That's enough. In the name of Jesus. In the name of Jesus. Okay, we're about to enter into intercessional intercession and prayer in the Holy Ghost. And as you start to pray, when you start to lose your words, just make the sound, whatever the sound is, come out of your mouth. The Bible says that the Holy Ghost will make intercession for you with groanings that cannot be uttered. It means you don't understand it. It may not even be a word, but as you start to pray... You're going to take dominion over all kinds of things. You may not even know exactly what to call out. But as you begin to pray, you're going to take dominion over something. Now, I want to caution you. 
Not only do we, we reject and refute every foul spirit, but I also reject every prideful spirit that infects the church with people who think they've been around a long time and they don't need to pray. Because I feel you also. So you should repent first and then you ought to pray. Because you've never served God long enough to exempt you from intercessory prayer or to confess that you're a sinner saved by grace. If you haven't confessed that you're a sinner saved by grace, you ought to pause all of your religious practices and just stop right now and just say, Lord, I know that you saved me by your grace and I didn't do it. Because if you don't do that, your prayers are going to get about as high as that ceiling and they're not going to rise any further. You're going to have to say, I need you. You're the power. Give me my picture. Give me my token, please. Because that is not the blood. That's not the blood of Jesus. That's not the blood of the lamb. (laughs) That's just the scarlet rope we had around our house. And when Tammy found it, and she laid it out the front door, and I found it and tied it on the post, it's just a, it's just a, it's a message. It's not a message to God. The Lord didn't need to see that to help me. But I want to give a message to all the spirits out there and all the demonic things out there, not in this house. Come on right now with your voice. Say it enough right now in the name of Jesus, I pray. Come on, we're going to do this now. We're going to do it right now. We're going to do it in the name of Jesus. I pray the blood. I pray right now. It's enough. I'm tired of being tired. I take dominion over every principality and over every spirit. Because I know the weapons of this warfare are not carnal. But I know my weapon is mighty. It pulls down strongholds. Yes. If you have the Holy Ghost, speak out in tongues. Pray until you speak with other tongues. Come on, pray until you speak with other tongues. Let it come out of your mouth. Let there be a chorus like a choir of us speak. There you go, mama. There you go. There you go. anxiety I pray the blood against anxiety I pray the blood against depression I pray the blood against the spirit of depression and weakness I prayed against doubt and fear everybody in this house if you believe that you're a, if you confess that you're a believer out of your mouth you ought to be speaking out of your mouth you ought to be praying out of your mouth in the name of Jesus. 
say until you lose your words. If you forget what to say, start over again. That's it, that's it. Yay, that's right. Everything that would try to attach itself to us, I rebuke that in Jesus' name. Every serpent, every scorpion, every demonic thing, I put that under our feet right now. Come on, say it. In the name of Jesus. In the name of Jesus. Amen. I'm going to lead you in a couple prayers. I pray against, I don't know how to call it out, but not knowing what to do, a fog, not knowing direction, confusion. I pray against it right now in Jesus' name. I pray against it. And our minds and our thoughts would be so twisted. We don't, we don't have the right direction. We're not able to hear from you, Lord. I pray right now, let there be a clear thought and a, and a clear sound and the right direction for people right now in Jesus' name. Lord, there's no ambiguity in you, Lord. I pray right now in the name of Jesus, protect us, protect our house and protect our minds and protect our families, Lord, and protect our marriages, Lord, and protect our sons and our daughters and our children. Protect the grandchildren. Protect us from the enemies of the world and the things that would be against you, Lord, and everything that is high and exalted itself against you, Lord. Let it be brought down today. No weapon is going to come against us. If you have a son or a daughter and you know that they are, they are without God in whatever state that they are in, I want you to lift up your hand and I want you to pray right now that they would be brought back into the blood. If they're wayward or discouraged or they're backslidden or they're revilers or whatever they are, lift up your hand and pray that God would save them and pray against everything that would come against them. Somebody help me with a battle cry. Say it out of your mouth. Oh! Lift up your hand. Oh! Yabaha tadabaha. I just need you for a second. So if it is illogical... Let it be illogical. It's okay. I'm all right. I'm all right. Because everything doesn't make sense to me either. But I do know what the Bible says. That on the seventh day, they marched around seven times. And they were quiet the first six times. But on the seventh time, I don't, listen. Go ask the Lord. Only he knows why. But on the seventh time, this was the command of Joshua and the Lord. On the seventh time, you let out a shout of praise. And when you do that, 
the walls will crumble and they will fall. Now, if we, if we have to use our analytical mind to try to figure out how that happened, we're going to be far from God because he uses the, the wisdom of the world, the foolishness of the, of the word to confound the wise of the world. That means you're never going to figure it out. But I know this. We're going to do the scripture today. Now, we can't march because we don't have enough room. But we can shout with a great voice of triumph. And we're going to do it. Be quiet one time. Be quiet two times. Here's our third march. Here's our fourth. Here's my fifth time marching. Here's my sixth time. But we're about to get to the seventh. Are you ready? I'm not going to give you a countdown, but I was going to say, here we go. Are you ready? Come on, let out a great shout of victory. The walls are coming down. Most of you know, if most of you ladies are on our ladies Facebook group, and if you're not, please, we need you on there. Monday, the Lord called me personally, and he called, asked me to call you, ladies, mamas, grandmas, most of you know, to a fast, to fight for our children, our youth, our young adults. And in that call, I stated, we're fighting things, they are fighting things we've never even thought of. Or heard of. I don't understand anything that these kids are going through right now. But they need us to fight for them. And I called anyone that could join me starting immediately on Monday. Please join me in fasting. And we're going to fast until Mother's Day. It was going to be a two-week fast. I had multiple women step up to the call. They have been fasting and praying with me. And we have been praising. That's what the Lord said is give me a sacrifice of praise. And I will defeat. I will cut off the head of the enemy. Today, ladies, today's day seven of that fast. And on the seventh day, God is going to give us victory. And we are going to cut off the head of the enemy that is fighting our children. I'm done. That's enough. That's enough. I want you to raise your hands right now. And in the name of Jesus, I want you to declare victory. Lord, you called us to it. And I know you're going to call us through it. God, I'm asking you to give every mother, every grandmother, every father, every grandfather in this building. I'm asking 
asking you to give them the strength that they need. We're going to stand and fight for these kids that may not understand what they're going through. They don't understand what's going on, but we're going to stand and we're going to fight. I plead the blood of Jesus over the minds of our youth. I plead the blood of Jesus over the spirits and the bodies of our youth. You keep them for you, God. You place a hedge of protection around them that nothing can get through. I plead the blood of Jesus as a barrier around them. And I stand right now in victory and I say, we're going to win. We're going to win. We're going to win. I cut the head of the enemy off and I say, it's enough. This is it. I'm not going to fight it anymore. I'm too tired to fight it anymore. I've got power through Jesus and I'm winning. If there are any sick among you, call for the elder of the church. Let them anoint with oil. Lay hands on them. The prayer of faith is going to save the sick. We're going to pray for all the sick. In the name of Jesus. I don't have a cloth. And they're not coming from my body. But if you get a cloth and you want to anoint oil, I think I've got some oil I've got some more over there. <clears throat> I won't pray. Brother Gordon, Brother Hudiger. I don't I don't know you I don't think I don't think you can do it by yourself. We won't pray for everybody that's sick, that needs a healing. Now listen, it's not just a physical healing, it could be an emotional healing. I've had enough of that too. He can heal your emotions in your heart. He can heal your spirit and the woundedness of your, of your life. You might have the scar, but you won't feel the pain. Because our God is a healing God and he's a delivering God. He wasn't just wounded. He was bruised. And the wound is the cut, but the bruise is internal. It wasn't just for the body, but there's a crown of thorns pressed on his brow. Everything that goes in your mind, everything that hurts your heart, and everything that afflicts your body. The Lord's going to heal you today. Now you can believe that or, or not. You just need to say it's enough. We got the blood. It's enough. Right now, if you need a healing, just reach out to somebody and say, right now, pray for me. Or lift your hands and we'll pray for you. And we will anoint you with oil. And God is going to heal your body here tonight. You can have whatever you want. Just, just begin to pray. If you want to come to the front for a healing, 